0: Let's get ready for some serious shift. This is a podcast shifting inside out hosted by your quantum shifter, Angie McCourt. We're diving into ways to empower and enable a quantum shift, inspiring topics, hacks and guest speakers take us on a journey around authenticity, challenging status quo, personal power and living a purpose filled life. Welcome to Episode 7 on Shifting Inside Out Podcast. This is a twist to being an entrepreneur featuring David Ponraj. I had such a great conversation with David, who is the CEO of Startup Space, a social networking and resource platform for entrepreneurship ecosystem building. David is a serial entrepreneur and also has extensive experience leading tech platforms in corporate America, where he served as an evangelist for entrepreneurship and innovation. Recently, he was awarded the Business Observer 40 Under 40 in the Tampa Bay area. And with stints at two of Tampa Bay's top tech companies, Tech Data and Nielsen, on his resume, David felt like he had what it took to launch his own company, Startup Space, in 2018. This was a quote from the article in Business Observer. David launched Startup Space in June 2018 with the vision to help connect entrepreneurship ecosystem builders and the resources to small businesses in their communities and measure the impact of programmatic support to unlock investments back into the community. Today, cities using Startup Space for connecting entrepreneurs to resources include Detroit, Denver, Boulder, and Minneapolis. They also work with state governments like Maine and universities like University of Nevada to support entrepreneurship and economic development across statewide initiatives. You can learn more about the communities they work in at www.startupspace.us forward slash community forward slash community. In this episode, we talk about what it means to be an entrepreneur and how to create an accountable approach to starting your own business. And by the way, it might be quite a bit different than you've heard before, but it's actually simpler. One of my favorite things that David talks about is what to set your premise for when you decide to start your own company. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode as you listen. You can find me on LinkedIn at Angie Belts McCourt, on Instagram at Angie underscore McCourt, or on Twitter at McCourtAngie. So without further ado, let's hear from David. <music> David, welcome to Shifting Inside Out. I am so grateful to have you on this episode. Uh, We've known each other for a long time, and it's been so amazing to watch your journey. Um, To get started, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Thank you, Angie, and I'm really looking forward to the podcast today. My name is David Panraj. I am the CEO and founder of Startup Space. We're a platform for economic developers to help connect them and their small businesses with resources.
0: Fantastic. So we're gonna get to know you a little bit more um, with just a couple of quick round questions. So the first question is, what is your morning ritual or routine?
1: So as a as a founder, you work around the clock. And so I don't have one specific routine only because every day brings a different challenge. The one thing I try to consistently do when I'm home is I try to take my daughter to school. Uh, every workday morning. And I love that aspect of it because it's that bonding time and gets me a chance to just spend one-on-one time with her. So that's the one thing I consistently do uh, every single day. Other than that, it's like what that day throws at you as a CEO. You're just going with it.
0: (laughs) Awesome. How do you renew your energy considering you're obviously putting out a lot of energy with what you do with personal and professional life?
1: yes yeah, so i, I want to dive into it later in the podcast something that you know i think starting a business is so much also a journey of self discovery and i found something uh, that i want to share later but uh, for me uh, listening to people tell their stories is the number one way in which I, my energy gets renewed to know what people go through and their challenges kind of minimizes anything that would bother me and say and i, and I say I'm incredibly lucky and I've got so much more to give back if, if only, you know, uh, I wasn't the issue. So the number one way in which I get energy back is by just listening to other people's stories.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I love that. It's like gratitude practice on steroids. <laughs> but yeah. you're right. I mean, a lot of times we're so focused on ourselves and renewing our energy that we don't leverage the energy around us in a way that's so inspiring to us as well. So and that we can learn from, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Now, um, what is your guilty pleasure?
1: so one of the things that I'm trying to cut down this year, so uh, I've given up alcohol for the whole year for no reason Then I wanted to do something different uh, by one thing that I have not given up is coffee. So it's like six cups a day. It like keeps, and I'm this highly intense person. It keeps my intensity like, you know, sky high, but yeah, the coffee is the one thing that I'm going to have to give up sometime at least cut it down. But yeah, about six cups of coffee a day.
0: Wow. <laughs> but I guess if you're working as much as you are and and yeah. you know churning ideas and trying to keep that intensity going, that yeah. is one way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's awesome. I love it. Thank you so much, David, for that um input. Um, So for today, I thought it would be interesting. I mean, we could probably do a few podcasts with you on different topics, Um, but one of the things that I wanted to kind of focus on today was the entrepreneurship side of you and your journey and I think what you bring to others and what you can share with our audience today um, about that. And, you know, one of the the questions that like popped into my head is while we've known each other a long time, and I think I've always seen that entrepreneurial spirit in you, when can you like think back to like the earliest time in life where you wanted to start your own business um, or where you found that entrepreneurial spirit?
1: Yeah. So, uh, uh, the, the best memory I have of, uh, of my childhood is when I would go to school and my parents would give me all these comics at the start of the year. And I would actually like create a system where people could like rent my comic books from me. And I was probably seven or eight years old. And even then that really fascinated me putting that structure together, making sure that there was accountability, that those books came back to me. I don't think I made any money off of that, but <laughs> I remember that I love that element of, you know, independence of doing some, something on your own and then uh, creating value. And, uh, and then as I grew up, I saw my parents do this work. My parents were pioneers in many aspects of their lives, uh, including supporting and helping underprivileged kids. And seeing that, I feel like I didn't have a choice but to, uh, go and start out on my own venture. Just the the culture of entrepreneurship and problem solving uh, was through and through my childhood.
0: Mm, that's amazing. So now, if you were to kind of take us on your journey around that, like where would you start?
1: So I would start with uh, watching my parents uh, start their own uh, ventures. My parents uh, are in India, and they work in a part of the country where it's really hard. Uh, to earn a living. So they work with among really poor people and they help them with their kids and watching them do that. And uh, in fact, uh, the one person that has inspired me my whole life and I draw inspiration from every single day uh, when it comes to how do you deal with people? How do you lead without uh, power has been my mother who in a very rural town where there were only men, she would walk into the room and command the entire room or be able to focus them on a problem. Or be able to drive outcomes, and that really resonated with me to say, "How do you be? How can you be an accountable leader? How can you lead with empathy? How can you go and lead without any uh, power?" And so, uh, we—I started there, but along the way, I needed a lot of tools because starting a business is the hardest thing you can do uh, in your life, and so I needed all these tools to be able to actually get to where I am today. And you needed a few failures. You needed to, you know, get knocked down a few times because there are more lessons learned there than in your successes because sometimes successes can be easily, uh, disguised when there is serendipity or some luck involved and you think it's your own. But then you get knocked down and then you realize, okay, I don't have everything. And so that cycle a few times has kind of given me a lot of tools, uh, to be on this journey that I am today, uh, with entrepreneurship and, uh, and the evolution has taken a lot of turns. One of those turns were uh, working at tech data and getting to meet you and uh, actually uh, learn from your leadership skill, Angie. And, you know, when I look back at how do you uh, put a team together and how do you lead with empathy and how do you uh, get them to follow a vision? uh, You know, I've learned a lot from great leaders like you that uh, when I started this current venture I'm on, I was able to scale really fast because of all the lessons learned. Uh, from my past.
0: Uh, That's fantastic. And, you know, I think it's really important for folks to um, hear that failure is expected and it's a good thing. Um, And it's something that it actually can launch you into maybe even the right direction or the right product or service or, or whatever a company might be, you know, kind of churning idea wise in your mind. Um, but I think so many of us have, um, you know, kind of lost the entrepreneurial spirit as we've grown up. And a lot of it comes down to either expectations or fears or limitations, um, or it could be one person making a comment like, oh, that's not a good idea. Or how are you going to make that happen? Um, and, and it could honestly just be a timing thing, right? But in, in the reality of it is that person ends up holding that as I'm not entrepreneurial. I don't have the commitment, the dedication, I don't have the creativity, um, I don't have the leadership. I mean, what would you say to those people about, you know, you can overcome this fear or this limiting belief you have? What would you say to them just to get them sparked up again in their ideas?
1: Yeah, so there are uh, several uh, things to consider. One is uh, you can control failure by understanding the risks involved so you can fail but you don't have to lose your house so uh, i tell people you know you if you take it personally and say that you know no matter what happens i am going to uh, without any reasoning just fight through this you could end up hurting yourself a lot and then failure has a bitter taste what you want to do is to have people in your life that can hold you accountable and create guardrails and milestones and say I'm going to take a risk, uh, but it's a calculated risk. I know the upsides and the downsides, it it might fail because like you said, Angie, it could be timing, it could be product market fit. It is not a personal reflection on you. And, And it's not just about entrepreneurship. It could be a speaking engagement in your workplace. It could be joining a new team at your workplace. It could be even in your social life, going out and meeting new friends right? You can create boundaries. You can say, these are the things that I like. These are the things I don't like. These are the, these are my strengths and my weaknesses. And then create a scenario where failure and success are not so much outcomes, but the experience is the outcome and failure and, and, and success are simply byproducts of it. Mm. That there is a much bigger reason why you're doing this. It's that incredible experience as a human being is that incredible set of opportunities you're going to open yourself out to. So there are other reasons and parameters on how you're going to measure what you're doing and create guardrails around that. I think success and failure are just so arbitrary and random. I have failures every single day and I don't measure my uh, ability to perform or my, or my value based on those outcomes. Even the business I'm in currently, it could fail, but it won't be a reflection on me. I have grown incredibly as a person. I've met incredible people along the way. Those are what life is about, right? Because ultimately there is a lifespan to everything we do and ultimately some things will fail and some things will succeed. They don't reflect who we are. So I would say uh, the first step is to just sit down and write down what you're trying to get as an outcome that's not failure or success, you know, new relationships, new experiences, the ability to grow in your career, push your uh, limits. Uh, and then use those as parameters, because those you can control. You can't control the outcome.
0: I love that. And, you know, I think um, we're always in such this polarity kind of mindset around it's good or it's bad, it's success or it's failure. But you're right, um, the, the lessons learned are in that journey or in that initiation or in that experience. Um, and that's what basically kind of helps build the staircase for us to continue climbing or leaping um, to be able to, to get to those particular, you know, types of goals that we set for ourselves. Um, When I look back at, at your um, ability to build relationships, and I've seen you in action building relationships, you're such a genuine, authentic person. You bring trust immediately into that conversation into that relationship into that engagement. In your current business, I would I imagine that's a big part of what is making the company reach the targets and the goals and, and, you know, kind of that dream that you envisioned for it. How do you go about doing that? And especially in this time where there's so much remote, not necessarily face to face? How has that worked for you? And how have you have you been able to do that?
1: First off, thank you for saying all those kind words. Uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, you know, in terms of what motivates me and how we've been able to grow and connect with our audience and our clients, uh, it's about being authentic to your mission. And it might sound like jargon or it might sound very touchy and feely, but it's actually not. It's just asking yourself, what do you care about? Because if you can articulate what you care about and share that with people, you don't have to worry about what they care about. They will find a way to rally around you. And so I've been in a lot of sales pitches, sales meetings, etc. I don't even talk about what we do. I just tell people why I care. Because if they know why I care, they will find a way to rally around it. And they'll call me after the meeting to say, by the way, you never told me what you do. We sh- there is some way for us to partner together. And, and that mission-led and purpose-led is so critical in this day and age. When we are bombarded with so much uh, uh, information that could be true or not true from all sides with social media, etc. people need authenticity, people need purpose, people need a mission in every aspect of their lives, including at the workplace. So for our company, we spend a lot of time asking ourselves, why does what we do matter? First, personally for me, I share with my team why what matters to me, ask them to tell us back what they care about. It does not have to be what I care about, but they come with their own passions and their own interests. And then we ask our clients to tell us why they care about this. And then we're able to rally around a common cause saying that, okay, we all have different aspirations, different motivations, different experiences. But when we come together, we're going to build something beautiful because we all come with a passion for something we care about. And there is a common ground where we can unite and move uh, really big issues forward uh and so that is what i care about uh, i i we don't have you know we have employees in eight to nine states we've never asked them what they do not we don't have any time clocks no punch-in punch-outs what i really am genuinely interested in is what motivates each of them what do they care about why do they wake up every morning it might have nothing to do with work, but if I know what they care about, I can find common ground for us to rally together.
0: I love that you are like the future state of what all leaders need to be. Trust none your of this is, yeah. yeah. Trust your employees, but then all in your call, your your team members, but then also ensure that there's always a bridge to them and what they contribute also to the big picture. Because I think that's where so many people get disengaged and disconnected is they just think of it as it's a, just a job. It's just tasks I do all day long. I don't even understand what my value contributes to the end you know, result for our customers. Um, but I think the fact that you spend time really engaging with each person and understanding what drives them It helps you to be able to create that bridge and be the bridge to that for that value for them, um, which that they're going to stay engaged. They're going to be working longer hours than, you know, you would probably expect. And they're going to be putting that much more impactful, effective effort in. Um, not just time based effort, you know, yeah. which is where a lot of the workforce is today, mentally, emotionally, and connection wise, and engagement wise. So, I love what you're doing. I love your philosophies. Um, you haven't always worked for yourself, though. You you've been at Tech Data, you've been at Nielsen. Um, from being in those corporate environments, like, what do you find? Um, number one, was very helpful on your journey to being an entrepreneur on your own because I, I view entrepreneurs inside of these big corporations as well. They're not always received. They don't always fit in the box <laughs> for the corporations, but you know they do bring a sense of spirit and curiosity and drive and mission um, in those companies. So talk to us a bit about what your journey was like through that, what you, you know, learned from that, what you brought into those environments um, that really ended up bringing you now to this path.
1: Yep. So what I love about corporate America is the amount of energy it can bring to any particular problem that you can't as a small business. So you look at like, you know, big uh, issues around measurement or connectivity or technology or innovation. And these companies are at the forefront of it because they can mobilize a lot of people to look in the same direction. And so I think that there's a value there in that large corporations can do things that small businesses cannot do in creating this high amount of energy. But I feel there is more wrong with corporate America today than there is right. And uh, I don't say it in a, in a spiteful way or I don't say it to to demean the work that people do in corporate America. I feel that we've gotten ourselves to a point where we've kind of lost what it means to be human. And we've gotten to a point where a lot of our leaders are so focused on numbers that they forget that if you are human, those numbers are actually really easy because of the energy that that corporation has. But because they have not uh, sat back and thought for a second They figured we use it, we use spreadsheets and we use PowerPoints and we use uh, our leadership titles to get work done, which creates a lot of bad uh, taste, distrust, a lot of negative energy. And uh, I personally left corporate America because I felt that I could no longer be useful and use all my talents. And I actually led entrepreneurship for my organization. My title was head of innovations. So I looked at emerging technology and a lot of them are small business and startups who brought this new innovation. And, uh, and in spite of our, in spite of my title, I spent most of my time actually trying to save the company money when innovation is about investments. And that was because we had leaders that did not have, uh, did not have the courage to say, we're going to actually invest in people, not just say that, but actually invest in the long run. Uh, We might have some short term losses, but in the long run, we will be much further. And I look back, it's been uh, four or five years since I left and the company I worked at Nielsen actually went through a huge downturn. Then they still ended up losing all those short term gains. So I look at it and say, you know, in corporate America, I feel like we sometimes lose the discipline that you might have to step out to be able to actually look within. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like there is a lot of room for authenticity. I feel like there's, uh, uh, and I think leaders are starting to get it. A lot of the big companies are starting to realize that if you put people first, and if you really let people, if you know, there are there are two or three things you need to be successful. You need to have autonomy over your work. Uh, you need to have mastery over your work, and then you need to have like the right incentive structure. And the right incentive structure doesn't mean throwing a lot of money at it, right? But really caring about what employees care about. Uh, and can I just say, none of what I am sharing today is unique or new to me. I have learned from great leaders along the way. And a lot of them, it is just me personalizing what I've learned. Um, it is not any new wisdom that I came up with. It's just me uh, I read about one part, one uh, audio a, a month at least. Mm-hmm. And so everything that I see and practice, I've learned from others uh, like you.
0: Now, that's awesome. And um, I totally agree with you. And I think the reason it's so good to talk about it, though, is that there can be change and there can be a shift in this kind of focus um, internally um, in the wrong ways, in the wrong areas versus even externally, right, customer as well, should be included somewhere in the in the lines. But a lot of times that gets lost, and a lot of the corporations have, you know, um, the opportunity. I would say, from a leadership perspective, to make some of those shifts. But it can't just be one person trying to drive it, because guess what? They're going to get very frustrated with every roadblock they hit internally, and every time they try to share you know, their thoughts, their approaches, and they're getting shot down, they will end up leaving that company. And they'll hopefully go to a company who actually is going to do something that they're bringing to the table to make the shift. Meanwhile, that same company is going to struggle and they're going to, they're not going to be able to evolve. And they possibly could end up, you know, having a big downturn or going out of business because they're not less listening to their people and they're not allowing for that evolution that really needs to happen to get away from this wrong set of internal focus areas which is typically just numbers <laughs> and cost cutting absolutely yeah. yeah yeah that's amazing so in um when you decided to leave you had a young baby i think she was she was only what in her first year yeah. i think yeah um what, you know, this is, this is a big deal. This is a big story. Now you and your wife both worked in corporate America. Um, So, you know, you had, you know, her income while you were going to start your business, but what was that like? What was that conversation like with her and, you know, how you talked about use others around you to hold you accountable, set those boundaries, um, set those kind of guideposts um, and milestones that you want to reach. Um, what was that like for you? And what advice can you give others who might be thinking about going on this journey?
1: Yeah, so the reason uh, I left one was I felt I was not using my talents to the fullest. The other uh, is, a, is like innate to me is to be useful, is everything I measure by the yardstick of whether I'm being useful uh, in the work I'm doing. And uh, both me and my wife, Sharice, uh, we both felt that I wasn't utilizing all my talents and so that was our primary motivation because she's seen me and she knows uh what i'm passionate about and she felt that i was no longer passionate about the things i was working on and so we realized it was time for me to go back and really focus on um on bringing my best self to work and that meant i'm gonna have to go on my own now uh one of the things that um that I've been trying to tell people about starting a business is the number one reason why you start a business. There are a lot of social reasons, but if you're trying to start a for-profit business, the number one reason you're starting a for-profit business is to become rich period. And, (laughs) and so, you know, there are, we are a socially driven company. We're very socially minded. We uh, put our money where our mouth is. We support a lot of causes across the country, et cetera, but we can afford all that because we're profitable because we actually, you know, are making money. And so the number one reason is to be rich. Therefore, you cannot do anything that will make you become poor because that's going against what you want to do. And so I try to talk in these very simple terms. You're trying to become rich, don't become poor, which means (laughs) don't do any activity that is going to be detrimental to becoming rich, including don't pursue a venture that will make you poor. So that was one of the first conversations Charisse and I had, which was, we're not going to lose our house. We're not going to become any worse off than we are today. We might never become richer than we are today, but we're definitely not getting poorer than we are today because then it defeats the purpose of going into business, Mm -hmm. right? Might as well pick up a hobby and thereby you don't lose any money, right? So you've got to be accountable to to that initial premise or you can start a nonprofit if you purely just want to give back. Right. But if you're trying to start a for profit business, you got to have these rules you've set for yourself and you need to have an accountability partner. And so it can be a spouse, it can be a mentor, it can be a local community leader or a friend. And you got to break your journey into milestones. The reason why it has to be this kind of scientific approach is because starting a business is actually just a series of steps that can be taught. And we see it being taught really well in amazing institutions. Including uh, there is a group out of uh, Hillsborough Community College called InLab, where they have like 80% success rate or higher for their students who go through their entrepreneurship program and start a business because mm-hmm. those steps can be taught. So that's amazing. You, yeah. So if you're trying to start a business, you can actually think of all these steps. And with that, we created milestones and we said, we are, uh, as I basically took my 401k and said, that's the total amount of money we're willing to lose. Mm -hmm. So during my time at Nielsen, I'd gotten a 401k. There are other ways in which you can get some grant money or seed money, et cetera. But you start with a pool of your own money because there's nobody waiting to give you any money, no matter how great of an idea you have. Like you might have a rocket ship you can build to the moon. Nobody's going to give you money till that rocket ship shows up, Mm -hmm. right? So you start with a pool of money, create milestones for the money, knowing that when the money's out, if you haven't reached to your first customer, you kind of have lost the plot. That's the reality. Like unless you're in like high-end innovation and you're working on a commercialization program uh, tied to intellectual property, et cetera, there are some variations. But for most small businesses, you've got your pool of money. You break that into milestones. Your One of your final milestones has to be to find your first customer who's willing to pay you. Mm -hmm. And you work backwards from there and Mm -hmm. say, what does milestone one look like? What does milestone two look like? And you basically remove emotion out of it. You will bring your passion to work every day, but not to your fail, pass decision. There, your accountability partner will simply say, this fail or succeed is not a reflection of you. It's a reflection of the market conditions. And sometimes you'll have to just stop and go back to work for somebody else while you retool and get your capital back, your social capital, your uh, network, etc. But uh, the, the primary mission, which was to not become poor, has been achieved. So for me, I look at entrepreneurship and, you know, while we have Shark Tank and all these other kind of glorified stories Mm -hmm. around entrepreneurship, it is personal, right? It's about putting food on the table. It's about breaking down poverty. It's about people having the means to do the things they want to do. And therefore it has to be very much sequential and milestone based and accountability based. Uh, It can't just be, I'll write a business plan that no longer works
0: amazing that was such great advice and I know that there are some people out there getting sparked right now with inspiration they're saying I'm gonna pull that idea back out because he's right it's it's the practicality of it and it's the process of you know just being able to do one thing at a time um, being able to build on it and also I've found just in my own journey there are so many people out there willing to mentor willing to give advice there's so many programs out there that give you those step-by-step, you know, here's how to do it. Um, and, you know, I think, too, um, your um, comment about, like, why you go into it, too, is it is not, um, uh, it, it has to have an ultimate goal, you know, like, this is the, this is the big end result. Because what I've heard from folks is, well, I don't expect to make a lot of money. Well, then guess what? They don't make a lot of money at it. It's like, almost like they set themselves up for that. Or I wasn't expecting to... Um, you know, um, uh, be able to to um, scale this as as big as you know it could probably be. I just wanted to keep it contained because I thought that's all I could manage by myself. And guess what? That's all they get. You know. So yes. I think you're right. I think it's a matter of you know you you know set your goals, but don't set them so tightly and so specifically from a it has to be this amount of money or it has to be this particular um, approach to market or it has to be this size of a team that i end up hiring i like your it's to get rich <laughs> i like your approach there <laughs> just put it out there as that
1: yeah okay. and money- another,
0: however it happens yeah. You know, you, you haven't tied a specific attachment to the outcome necessarily. You, you said, OK, let it happen the way it's going to happen. But I'm going to take these steps and then I may have to take a different path and I may have to adjust along the way. Um, but I but I'm not attaching to something real specific. It's just absolutely to get rich. <laughs> absolutely.
1: In fact, you will. I have made hundreds of pivots, Angie, like hundreds of pivots along the way. And that's why I say don't write a business plan. Uh, You know, I have a a framework and a roadmap on what I want to do, but instead I let the customer write the business plan for me. I ask the customer, what do you care about? What problem am I solving for you? Let me convert that into a marketing slideshow of this is the problem I solved for you, because then there are more people that will rally around that. And I feel like that essence of solving problems and moving the needle and making this world a better place to live is where the money is. Mm-hmm. And we don't know that when we're starting out. We don't know what problem we will ultimately solve for, mm-hmm. right? The customer That's knows so that. True. Yeah. So and get to the evolve. customer. <laughs> yeah, and evolve and we've evolved, pivoted so many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first version of my product I sold for twenty five dollars. Mm-hmm. Today, that product with all of the enhancements that we got from customer feedback, we sell for over one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. That same product, which just wow. that customers told us in less than two years. Yeah. That's so
0: amazing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you're absolutely right. You know, don't create all these boundaries that are artificial. You know, have a very simple premise and let the, the customer tell you where the problem is. And okay. uh, and so and also the CEO has to wear, as a small business CEO, you have to wear multiple hats. You need to know how to motivate your employees, right? They want to have good incomes, they want to care for their families, and you're responsible for that. But you're also responsible for motivating them. So being able to take, I want to be rich down to what problem am I solving for? And what value am I adding to the community? And this is how my employees create that value. You need to be able to tell all those stories, which Mm -hmm. you don't need to know on day one, you will grow into it as your company grows. You know, as my child has grown, she's taken on amazing forms that I could never expect you will as an individual as well.
0: That's awesome. I love it. Um, So I know you're involved in the community quite a bit. And your podcast as well as your company, really highlights and focuses on, um, you know, I would say the the voice that doesn't end up getting a lot of platform or a lot of time to hear and listen to. Um, what's the motivation there, and and what would you like to see come out of, you know, both both your highlighting in the company and then the podcast as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, before I do that, I also want to give one shout out. So uh, one of the organizations I'm passionate about and I'll tell you why I'm passionate about it. So I uh, i am I'm very passionate about tennis. Okay. Mm-hmm. So tennis is like this, my outlet. So uh, I'll, I play tennis twice a week or three times a week. And that is a great place for me to have a, self, a moment of mindfulness where I can switch off everything else. And my only focus is being thankful for the ability to play, being there, having a great time, leaving without any injuries. That's the goal there. And of course, uh, very competitive in nature, but win or lose, as long as you leave without injuries, you've had a great time. You've won if you you know, are able to play. But uh, in the last year or so, when I go to play tennis at uh, Hillsborough Community College once a week, I, I started seeing these line of cars coming in, uh every saturday and i started talking to some of the organizers asking you know what is this and researching it there have been my uh, weeks where i've seen over four thousand cars lined up uh for um getting just a 25 dollar uh box of food Mm -hmm. uh and and so uh i've been trying to promote uh the work that feeding tampa bay is doing uh incredible like we live in the promised land we can't have kids that go hungry in our own country yes. so i am very passionate about that uh, we give back uh, as much as we can but also i love the mission that they're on uh, to support so first call out there uh, if if you're a local listener feeding tampa bay but every city has that chapter of uh, uh, feeding the the hungry in that community and i think that's a great cause we could all uh, rally around uh, in terms of our podcast, so I have this podcast called Breaking Down Barriers, because uh, if you think about somebody starting a business uh, as an average person, if you are an underrepresented founder, an immigrant, veteran, returning citizen, a woman, uh, person of color, etc., it's exponentially harder to start a business. Because if you remember earlier, I said, you know, I took my 401k. In a lot of cases, they don't have a 401k. Uh, I said, you know, talk to your friends and family. They don't have a friends and family round where people have money sitting around to help them on their venture. So they start about a hundred yards behind the starting line on a hundred meter dash. So, you know, by the time the race is kicked off, they haven't even made it to the starting line. And so that's for me a a, a really primary passion is that while we're doing great work, let's do it for the people that it actually makes a difference to that we actually do it for the people that it's exponentially harder to start a business for no fault of their own. They might have the same ideas, the same passion, the same creativity, the same um, talents, Mm -hmm. but yet cannot get to where uh, others will. And so this podcast that I have specifically highlights leaders in the community that do this day in and day out of either leveling the playing field or, Helping with this, and I'll give you a quick example, Angie. You know, until uh, the seventies, the curbs uh, on our sidewalks didn't have a cut, so the the curb didn't have a cut. So, what people had to do if they were on a wheelchair, they had to like be lifted down for, from the curb onto the pavement, etc. And they, in the seventies, uh, somebody said, you know what, we're going to put some cement to make this uh, roll down the pavement easier from the curb to the pavement, uh, and uh, and they advocated for it in Stanford in in California. And then this became a national uh, thing called the curb cut, where you could actually have a slope from the uh, curb to the pavement. They did a study in Sarasota, so right in our backyard. Nine out of 10 people who walk on the sidewalk today actually use the cut in the curb, including mothers, including people walking their dogs. So when you take care of the lowest common denominator, somebody in a wheelchair, actually the entire society is using it. Nine out of 10 people go through the cut in the curb on their regular day-to-day life. So when we take care of the people at the bottom, we're actually taking care of everyone. We're not just taking care of one part of the society. We're truly taking care of the entire society. And so for me, that is a passion of mine to say when we're going to solve a problem, We're going to solve it for everyone by solving it for the least of us. We're going to take care of all of us.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that, and you know what? Honestly, it's probably actually reduced pedestrian deaths and and uh, and and created more safety without telling people they had to do it, right? Because and and honestly, we could all look around and find better conveniences for folks who need something a little bit different, you know, that it it can also benefit so many others as well. So I love that, that analogy. It's awesome. Um, And then from a company perspective, you want to give a plug for your company and, you know, just what your expectations are over the next year, especially as you've started traveling again and doing speaking engagements and whatnot. I think that would be really fantastic.
1: Yeah. So, uh, we are actually uh i can't announce it yet on this podcast but i can say they were very close to a major rebrand we've been working with this uh company out of uh denver to to better align and that's the thing when you're a startup uh so the this the first logo that i made as a startup i went to google found a logo generator put the name and it gave me a logo and i was like, that's all the money i'm paying it's free (laughs) Uh, so now that you know we have customers we can better align our brand with our mission Um, and in the the next year our focus is going to be to have some presence everywhere in the country so we're in 22 different states today in 70 different cities we want this work to be across the country because we feel we can support and and help small businesses uh, anywhere in the country to start and that's My primary motivation for starting this business was, can we make it easier for people to start businesses through education, through tools, through technology, by better providing access to resources? And so that has been my primary mission uh, that I'm on. And I hope that in the next year, we're going to actually get there, at least have presence in every state, supporting some local community. uh, and, And then, you know, hopefully I can come back on this podcast and talk about the work we're doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You betcha. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's fantastic. So um, to wrap things up, I know you, you did a call out for Feeding Tampa Bay, and I will definitely include that in the show notes as well. I'm a big supporter of Feeding Tampa Bay. I love the work they're doing. A lot of times, everyone's like, oh, it's so overwhelming how many organizations are out there. And I found that one to be the most consistent, the most well-utilized, um, the most engaged with the community, like truly mm-hmm. entrenched in the community. Um, so I'm a big, big fan and supporter of them as well. So I will make sure I include that in the in the call-out notes. Um, you mentioned that you, you do read a lot of books. Um, obviously, you know there's there's probably some other recommendations that you would like to give as well. So I'm going to just hand it back over to you for anything else for the audience that you would like to offer.
1: Yeah, so definitely love your gifts. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> on top of that list. So I have my uh, hard copy that's coming in the mail and definitely going to get the audio book as well. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. And my whole team is going to be reading it. So we're excited about it. Uh, And the one other book I'll tell you, uh, yeah, I read almost uh, one book a month, but the book that has transformed the way I lead uh, my company uh, around motivation is a book by Daniel Pink called Drive. Mm -hmm. And he talks about mastery and autonomy and giving people a mission, uh, giving them a sense of purpose and then getting out of the way. And I've really been able to utilize it. I've had my team read it. Uh, and you know, as a founder, the thing that scares me the most is what I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I'm on this really fast paced mission to keep learning what I don't know, but that book has stuck with me. Um, and I would highly recommend that is if you're on a journey of trying to motivate people that has great real life examples.
0: Fantastic. That's awesome. Um, anything else that you would like to recommend?
1: No, I... Or like uh, organizations uh, or anything? No, this is this has been amazing. Thank you. I yeah, had a wonderful you. time talking to you today. And uh, I can't wait to share this podcast uh, with our audience.
0: Yes. Thank you so much, David. It was an absolute pleasure. And I'm so glad that we've stayed connected over, gosh, at least a dozen years, I want to say it's been, that we've known each other. And um, I'm so just um, impressed with what you've done and what you've you know, brought to the table, to the community, um, and then also just the fantastic leader you are. So I'm just so excited for you.
1: Thank you. And can I also say that I'm so proud of you for starting on this journey of your own. Mm-hmm. I feel like you have <laughs> so much to give back and you uh, stepped out at the right moment because now you can actually build uh, this amazing collection of work that we can all learn from. And even watching you, uh, you know, uh, as a leader, I only got a, a, a taste of it. Now I actually can learn all of your tricks. So I think uh, I am so thrilled and also kudos to you for, you know, what can be a scary uh, decision to make. Okay. Right.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But so, you know what? It was one that I knew it in my heart and in my gut, you know, and my gut's yeah. my decision maker. Yeah. And if it feels good there, then it's the right thing to do. It's the right purpose. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it was funny, I think a couple of years prior, I probably would not have done it. I was still in that very loyal stage. I was still in that, um, you know, stage of work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. And, um, and I hadn't really found yet what was driving me, I was on this mission, for sure. And I think a lot of people, um, you know, there's a lot of that going on right now, you know, which is pretty amazing. And it doesn't mean that it would lead to maybe starting your own business. But maybe it's, you know, proposing something internally, it's, you know, bringing your entrepreneurial spirit into your company that you work for. And I think that's where I'm hoping, Um, To really inspire, and I know this podcast will definitely inspire others to consider or reconsider something that they may have put on the back burner um, because of a comment someone had made along the way or because of some kind of, of limiting belief that, well, I can't do that now. I'm on this other path or journey. So I'm really excited. Thank you so much, David, and um, appreciate your time. And I know we will have you back on for sure in the future.
1: (laughs) Awesome. I look forward to it. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: Absolutely. Have a great day.
1: Thank you.